0: Hey, um, how was your day? Good, good, mine too, thank you. Um, man, praise God. Uh, so really, we are glad you're here. We are, um, we're excited about what God is gonna do. Um, for those of you guys who missed last week, I rambled about how much I missed you all, uh, still miss you, uh, glad you're back. Uh, Hey one also thing I wanted to talk about before I jump into uh, Galatians tonight is um, this ministry a few years ago, it used to be like a, about seventy people, and because of that it was, it, there was some advantages to that that after you know kind of everyone gathered that Everyone would kind of go out to eat and hang out and connect and go go do something together. And as this ministry has grown, uh, we've realized that God's really brought a level of diversity to people worshiping Jesus in this room. And so we've got people in this room who um, are are in college. We've got people in this room who are married. We've got people in this room who are in their late 20s and professionals who just had a really long day. And, And yet at the same time, we still really want to connect afterwards. And so we want Wednesday nights to be a place that if you're here worshiping, And you're looking for community, and maybe you're not ready to get into a home group yet, uh, or or you're just wanting to meet other people who are like minded and loving Jesus, um, then what we're doing is we're trying to create different options for the afterward. And so, after worship um, on Wednesday night, there's several different things because we've just got a diversity of demographics in this room now, and praise God for that. And so, uh, I know a bunch of guys are going to a bar tonight. Robert, where are you guys going? ginger man tonight so um man if you just want to connect to some guys and gals there they're just going to unwind they love jesus uh if if you are not of legal age or honestly if that caused you to stumble then don't go there right don't don't go to that option, um, but if you want to go connect with those guys, Brett and Josh, you guys are hanging out at Melt tonight, so uh, specifically college students, man, if you want to connect with some other, if you're looking to connect with other college students who love Jesus, go to Melt with these guys afterwards. There is a crew of people here who dance at Billy Bob's every Wednesday night, and I love you, but I don't understand you, uh, but man, they have a blast, right? You guys have a blast, so if that's like, yeah, man, after a long day of work and worship of Jesus, I want to go dance for four hours, Great. Good for you. That, that really is epic. So, man, they have a blast. So if that's what you want to do, go to Billy Bob's afterwards. And then the, the last kind of thing we have that we'd, we'd love for you to get plugged into if it's your DNA is there is um, a group of guys, and they are amazing how God has wired them. Um, and they go right out here, right across. There's coffee afterwards, but in this room, in the, it's called the Fit Six room, in the room right across the atrium there, the doors will be open. They just, they just get after it, man. They open up their Bibles, and they just go into deep conversation. Uh, if you walk into that room and you think like, are we playing like Pokemon Go in here or something like that, like you're gonna be rudely awakened. Um, God has wired these men with just incredible minds and incredible heart for him. And so if after the, after the service, you say, man, I, I don't wanna leave yet. I wanna discuss this deeper. I wanna wrestle a little bit more with Galatians. I wanna unpack it a little bit more and go, go into some deeper conversations and, and have some back and forth with some people. Then, uh, then head across the hallway, um, grab a cup of coffee and head across the hallway uh, to go do that. Uh, our heart behind those is to create places for you guys to, um, to connect with other believers. That's our heart behind it. So it's not going to hurt our feelings if you don't go to any of those, right? If you just go to Whataburger and sit by yourself, it's fine. You do you, man. That's great. Um, but our heart is really to create places where you guys can connect. So uh, join us for any of those things. All right. We're in Galatians, guys. Uh, it is a book in the Bible, it is in the New Testament. Um, it's about. Maybe halfway through the New Testament for me, it's page nine seventy-two. I don't know what it is in your Bible, um, but what we're doing is we're just gonna we're just gonna chew through this book that Paul wrote to this church in Galatia. Uh, we kind of started it last week, the first kind of introductory verses, verses one through five. And what we're gonna do for the next seven weeks or so is just say, okay, what what does God have next? And we're gonna read this section, we're gonna unpack it and apply it to our life and. Um, And this is really the time in the sermon where I'm supposed to tell you why you should listen to this sermon. Uh, And here's all I can say about that. We're going to unpack the Word of God. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to look at it. It's five verses tonight. We're going to read five verses of the Word of God from Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to look at that and we're going to say, what is God saying here? And then we're going to take that and we're going to apply it to our life and beg for the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, this is truth, this is your word, how does it apply to me and how can and should I be changed by your word? That is what we're about. That's what we're about as a ministry, that's what tonight is about, and that's what we um, are going to get after uh, tonight. So, uh, yeah, shall we? Galatians 1. And it will be up on the screen, too, if, uh, if that's less distracting for you. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Paul, he says this, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Um, Are you kidding me? That's how Paul starts his letter, right? He basically starts his letter to the Galatians saying, really, really? All the other letters of Paul, Philippians and Colossians, he basically starts with a chapter that's just one long hug, right, and a neck nuzzle. And it's like, man, Colossians, I love you guys. I think about you all the time. I got a picture of you in my car when I drive, and I just, and the Philippians, he's like, oh, you're my favorites. I love you. With Galatians, he just comes out and says, are you serious? How amazing are you that you've already forgotten the gospel that was preached to you? That's, I picture what he's doing. It's this. It's the whole confused, like, what? That's what's happening in this chapter. And in this book, Paul comes at this so strong. Out of all of his letters, and the New Testament is full of all these letters that Paul's writing to his people, he comes at the Galatians really strong. And why? Why is he so strong with this? Because what is happening in this church, what is happening in the lives of these believers, what they're falling into is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Um, the Holy Spirit called you to the grace of Christ, guys. He has called you. you. I was there. I saw We We were walking together, and I saw how the Holy Spirit called you, and you've already forgotten. You've already turned to something that is not what he called you to. You've already deserted and distorted the gospel. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. And look at what he says after that in verses eight and nine. He says, But even if I, this is pretty dramatic, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Don't believe new voices. He's saying, hey, if I show up tomorrow and say, hey, remember earlier when I told you guys the gospel, you got saved in the Holy Spirit and gospel of grace through Christ. Remember that? Well, I got a little addition to it. Or if an angel from heaven shows up and says, hey, I'm an angel from heaven. It's a big deal. I got a different gospel than the one I originally gave you. Don't believe it. Let him be accursed. See, no matter what, don't believe this lie in this distorted gospel. He shows us why in Verse 10. In verse ten, he says, "For am I now seeking the, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ." Paul saying, "Hey, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. Um, don't don't just believe this because oh, well, this is what Paul says. He's I'm not trying to make friends here. He's saying, look, I'm not trying to make friends. I'm not trying to be popular. This is not about people pleasing. I'm trying to please God, and what you're doing is you're falling away." From the gospel. Um, Yeah, so that's what the Galatians do. That's what um, this church, that's what this group of believers, that's what the six chapters in this book are going to really help unpack is how they wander. They hear the gospel, they hear truth, and they wander from it. Um, (laughs) Stupid Galatians. We, We would never do that. You know? Like to hear the gospel, to hear truth and believe it, and then wander from it. No, we would never do that. Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. Uh, I would love to say, uh, I would love to say that that is a weekly occurrence for me, um, but I really fear it's more of a daily occurrence. Uh, my fear is that in my life, in my soul, it's more of a daily occurrence that I get distracted and I start to wander towards a distorted gospel. But on a daily basis, I as a believer, as a 33-year-old pastor, am constantly still wrestling with this idea that, okay, I know the gospel. I know I've been saved. I have this relationship I have through grace. But, whoa, look at this. It's shiny. And I get distracted. Or, oh, but I've got to earn it in this way. And, I, and we wander. And we do that. I can't think of a more relevant thing for us as a people and an encouraging thing and a challenging thing for us as a people to walk through through the next seven weeks to say, what is the gospel? What is the gospel that should change your life, that when it, when it takes root in your life, changes you, sets you free, brings you life and life abundantly? What is that? And then how do we have roots that we don't wander from that so freaking quickly? What does that look like? That is what Galatians is about. That is what I'm excited to do. So remember that time at the beginning, just a few minutes ago, when I said what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the word of God. Here we see these five verses. We see what the church in Galatia is doing, and we're going to apply it to our life. We're gonna take that, quickly deserting the gospel to a distorted gospel, and we're gonna apply it to our life. Um, so, uh, so let's do that. Um, that's where we're going. Um, I, um, I wanna shepherd us through uh, several spots that I believe I see, that I believe we see in Scripture, that are ways that we quickly um, run from this. And I want to make a couple things clear. One thing is, um, is when I talk about the distorted gospel, when I talk about this idea that man, we sometimes fall into a distorted gospel and we're believing a distorted gospel. I don't mean, and certainly the Galatians, it wasn't that they heard the gospel and then they were like, okay, there's the gospel. I'm going to go worship Satan right it wasn't like a it wasn't like this whole 180 what it is is okay there's the gospel man that's good but i'm i'm going to add this component to it like that's the gospel of jesus christ but i'm that plus i'm going to add this thing or well that's the gospel but i'm that's kind of uncomfortable i don't feel super comfortable with that so i'm going to kind of remove that part of it but the rest is good it's much more subtle it's much more subtle in our life and in our soul and it's much it's dangerous in that way because it's these subtle distortions of the gospel that we're going to unpack. And by the way, um, as I go into this, and as I, I'm going to unpack six distortions, six distorted gospels, as I do that, and as I start to list these out and unpack them and, and show where, where we see they're out of bounds in scripture, um, if you find yourself, um, my hope would be that you find a level of Holy Spirit conviction in your life to say, man, that's, that's me, man, or ooh, I have a tendency. I have a tendency to kind of wander into that lie. and Yeah, I can see that play out sometimes. That would be my hope, that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you. And if you're going through this list and you're listening to them and you think, yeah, none of these apply to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't wrestle with any of these. Then um, I would really, really challenge you. Um, for one, uh, I would worry that you're missing it. Um, that if you sit here and you just hear this study and okay, that's interesting, interesting that other people might do this. My fear is that someone might leave here and lack the spiritual awareness to be able to apply what the Word of God is trying to show them tonight. And so with that perspective, my hope is that we approach this and the application of these five verses, and we approach it with a level of humility to say, Lord, show me. Show me where I do this. Show me where I wander to this. Reveal to me. Give me some awareness of my own blind spots. So I, just for you, so you guys know, I struggle with all of them. All six of them I have struggled with in my life um, off and on. So uh, my point is to uh, just engage us in that posture of humility. So, here we go. The first distortion of the gospel. Um, the first distorted gospel is the prosperity gospel. And I'm not ranking these in order or anything. It's just, that's just the first one I said. <clears throat> prosperity gospel. Uh, you got that book, Josh? Okay, so, there's a book. It's called Your Best Life Now. Seven Steps to Living at Your Full Potential, right? So the pastor who wrote this book and a million other books, I would say uh, people who are perpetuating and teaching a prosperity gospel, again, it's not all bad. I read this book. There's some good stuff in it. Wow, man, that's good. Well, that's really encouraging. Yeah, there's some truth in that. But it's this idea that like, whoa, where would we take that left turn? That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what, what they're going to say and what they're going to show and what they're going to push towards is that, um, thank you, Josh. I don't really want to hold that up here. Um what they're going to say and what they're going to push towards is this idea, um, is this idea that yeah, God is good um, and He loves us and He loves us so much that uh, that He wants to give you good material things. That if you are a good Christian, you do the you play the game right. If you play the game right, then you should end up with a nice house and a nice wife or husband and great kids and health and wealth and all of those things. And it is probably one of the fastest growing uh, as far as numerical categories of Christianity because we are so drawn to that idea. Even just the consumeristic, materialistic side of us says, oh, wait, so if I do this and this and this, then Before God, then He's gonna give me like a nice house and great stuff and all of these things. The problem with that is that's not the gospel. We've turned Jesus into Santa. We've turned Jesus in the prosperity gospel into Santa. And we think, man, if I play my cards right, I'm gonna have a huge Christmas. This is gonna be great. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And make no mistake, our God, He is the giver of good gifts. He is a giver of good gifts. And He loves His children. We also see in scripture, we see Jesus says, if you want to be a disciple of mine, then deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. We see Jesus preach a sermon on the mount talking about how the meek will inherit the earth and and blessed are the poor in spirit and all of these things. We see a celebration at times of brokenness and and the humble and the, our God, our God, the God of the universe. He didn't take the incarnation when he showed up 2,000 years ago as uh, anything other than the son of a carpenter. And and this humble he humbled himself to the point of a man. He and he he walked and he carried a cross for us. The prosperity gospel, the lie in there, the distortion in there is that man, play your cards right and you're gonna get you're gonna get something great. And here's what happens with that. Here's what happens when we wander into that and when loved ones of ours wander into that. We see God as a vending machine. And so we think, okay, if I just push these buttons and if I do the right thing, if I follow the list and if, I, if, I, am I, if I'm religious enough and if I don't do these sins, these aren't that bad, But then God's gonna keep blessing me. And what's gonna happen is that vending machine doesn't work. That vending machine doesn't work. Not only is that life, not only does obedience that is motivated by the Lord blessing you materially, not only does that obedience not glorify the Lord, but also there's gonna be a place where there's disillusion at the end of that road. And there's discouragement at the end of that road, and there's broken promises if that's what you think the promises of God are. God promises his people, if anything, he says, man, follow me, it's gonna be hard. You're gonna suffer. Okay, second distorted gospel. And this is a a swing, right? So if you're like, yeah, man, that's not me at all. Those people drive me crazy. And yeah, boo, those guys. Um, The hipster gospel. Uh, I... I am not a hipster. At least I don't think I'm a hipster. Uh, My wife dresses me from Target and Old Navy. Um, My pants, yeah, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. You work work at Target? Cool. Um, My pants are only tight because I am rapidly gaining weight. Uh, (laughs) Not not for any other reason. I will be morbidly obese in a matter of weeks. Uh, here's, Here's what, but honestly, but seriously, this is, this, um, this one hits really close to home for me. Uh, this has been one that I, hits really close to home. And I grew up in a home where I felt like we were like, yeah, the prosperity gospel, man. People like doing all the good things and thinking God's gonna give them money, yeah. But I, because of that, I think I swung really far over here to this hipster gospel, and here's, here's what it is. It's this idea, it's this perspective. Um, it's this perspective that's skewed all the way over here that, man, it has to be really difficult. I've gotta be, in order to follow God and, and walk with the Lord, uh, not only can I not have the house with the white picket fence and, and all the nice trinkets, I've got to be over here or I'm living in a van, right? Like that is spiritual maturity, to live in a van. And no joke, that was my dream in life. You can ask my wife. She's here tonight. Um, because of her, I am not living in a van um, because she honestly helped round out some maturity in me um, that wasn't there. But there was this idea that I had when I graduated high school, for example, uh, the thing you're supposed to do apparently is then you go to college, or a lot of people do that. Uh, I did not. I moved to Moscow, Russia in 2001 when I graduated high school as an 18 year old because, maybe partly because the Lord really was calling me. But I, when I look back at my immature self, a big part of it was man, look how radical this is gonna be. I'm gonna get up, everyone else is gonna go to college, learn things from books. I'm going to go live in Moscow. I don't even speak the language. I don't know what I'm doing. But look how radical I am, and look how extreme I am, and look at how anti-prosperity gospel, and I'm not going to go make money. I'm going to be homeless. And when I first started dating Danielle, it was like, hey, I kind of just started shifting out of like, well, I probably shouldn't be homeless if I'm going to be dating her. But I was like, but we should probably move to Iran because that. And and (laughs) maybe. Maybe that's really the call of God on my life, right? So maybe that's the call of God on my life. But I, I am self-aware of where I was at was really driven by this desire of this extreme um, this extreme radicalism. Um, and make no mistake, the gospel is radical. The gospel is radical. The gospel is uncomfortable. The gospel is not prosperity. It is not comfort. It is not wealth. But I think, I think so many of us swing so far over to the side where, where we have... Um, we have our, our ideas of bouncing from one thing to the next to the next. Um, I, I would propose, I would propose and want to, want to see uh, celebrated the middle aged man who supports his family every day by getting up and driving to work and working hard and being a witness to his coworkers and working at a cubicle all day and witnessing to his coworkers. And, and praying for people in traffic when he drives home and providing for his family and being obedient and reading the living word of God and applying the living word of God in radical ways to his life, where his life becomes more and more obedient to what God and then discipling children and raising up children and loving loving his neighbor and, and going to the polls and voting and, and speaking into PTA meetings and student council and coaching his kids little league and all of those things that I think sometimes we just think, oh man, that's settling for the American dream. And yet the, the reality is what does it look like to be radical in that environment? What does it look like for somebody to work a nine to five and radically love the Lord and apply truth to their life and walk away from sin and speak truth? into the other people's lives in a way that might not make them the most popular person at their work. That, I think, is a very radical pursuit if that's where God has called people. Um, and yet, I think, especially in my generation, man, we, we love to celebrate, man, look how radical that is. And I was driven by that for, for a big part of my life. And God taught me a lot on that. Again, this wasn't all bad. There's some things in that that are really healthy. And some things in that that I think we can be... O- Unbalanced the other way, but we can swing too far. Um, my, my wife right now um, my wife right now is in a season in our marriage where uh, she just cranked out a baby three weeks ago. Yeah, Yeah, no, man. Yeah. Can I say too, She pushed twice. I wish I shouldn't go into this. Is that weird to go into it? She, it took like four minutes. She just pushed twice, and then it was like, "Wow, there he is. So it was awesome. Anyway, I digress. Uh, um, So we're in a season in our life, if I can just, um, this isn't isn't about Danielle, but this is about um, an obedience. So we're in a season in our life right now where, um, you're sitting in the room, so I feel like, am I allowed to say this? We'll see. Um, So my my wife, oh gosh, she's, She's lucky to get out of her pajamas by like dinner time, right? Um, and, and then she's also like lucky to like be able to like take a shower like once every couple of days, right? And she's stuck in our house constantly. My wife has an incredible heart to disciple young women. She loves discipling, meeting with young women, pouring her life out. She would love to be able to do what her husband's doing, like, okay, babe, bye. And I leave her there and she's got like a three-year-old and like, there's a dog on the ceiling fan and she's got a baby and it's <laughs> chaos. Because the season God's called her to right now, she doesn't have any margin. Like her role, her calling in this this little window and season of her life is to sustain these two boys. And these two boys are going to be blessed. These two boys that she's raising are going to be crazy blessed by the godly mom that they have and, and that, yeah, it's not this really sexy season where she gets to go and have coffee and talk to people. It's a season where she says, no, this is where God's called me. And that's hard, right? That's really hard. And we pray about it and we talk about it and we wrestle with it and there's tears because it's like, man, this is not a cool season. We love that God has given us this thing that we've been praying for, my, my, my second son. It's amazing what he's doing in our family, but it's also really hard. And yet steadfastness, steadfastness, that yes, yeah, she's not out saving the world and those things, her steadfastness is incredibly radical. It's incredibly radical. And so whatever your life looks like, hold on to the gospel and the obedience. What does obedience look like? If God calls you to Iran and you don't go to Iran, then yikes, that's disobedience. But if God is calling you to be steadfast in a place... And and you just, and it's our own millennial flesh desires. It's like, ah, man, this just isn't, I just, I'm not passionate about this. I'm going to bounce to something else. And here's one of the ways you can identify this in yourself. Certainly one of the ways I can identify it for me. It's when every 6, 10, 12 months, I've got a new thing. I've got a new job. I've got a new community. I've got a new... And run that through the filter and see if that's for you. And look, okay, are there patterns in my life where I just always feel like I'm looking for the next thing and the next radical adventure and the next... And here's what you get from that, um, that kind of distorted hipster gospel. What you get is a great Instagram account, and you get a large network of friends, and you get um, adventures... And you get Christian famous, but you don't get known, and you don't get depth. And so, my loving caution to us, me, when I want to wander into that, when I want to say, "Man, maybe there's a maybe that maybe I need to like move and like plan a different church somewhere else, in like some cool place in Antarctica. That'd be awesome." And you know, like when I feel it, so is that what God's? Called, or is that my hipster isms of wanting to desire to go and do that? Um, Is that rooted in what he has for me? Uh, My heart is that, man, we could learn the worship value of being steadfast. And run that through the grid. Talk to the Holy Spirit about that, man. If you're offended by that, you're like, well, I kind of match that, but I don't think that's me. Well, maybe it isn't, right? Maybe really God has called you to different circumstances, and that's fine. Like, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. My job is just to sit up here, say these things. They might be offensive. You wrestle with the Lord. Send me an email. Okay, okay. Third, third, over here, works-based gospel. Um, Distorted gospel, works-based gospel. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, paraphrased. um, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, so that no one can boast. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace through faith that you have been saved. It's not by works, doing good things, so that no one gets to boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Couldn't be more clear in pushing against this distorted gospel that every one of us has got to wander into this at times, that we think that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, yes, God loves me, but I've got to do these things. So many of our denominations, even, that so many of us grew up in, have a tendency and a leaning to kind of encourage this and teach this, And it's not all bad, and I think it's coming from a good place of desiring, hey, there should be obedience in the Christian life, but it's, hey, there should be obedience in the Christian life. And then what happens is we put the cart before the horse. We put obedience in front of the love of God. Well, if I want the love of God, then I've got to obey. If I want God to love me and accept me, if I want this relationship with God, then I've got to check these boxes. I've got to avoid this list of don'ts, and I've got to follow this list of do's. That kind of makes logical sense of all of these. I think that is a conclusion that I think all of us should arrive to with logic. The trick is that's, that's not what Scripture says the gospel is. So if that is a mindset or a personality or a church you grew up in and you felt like, well, wait a second, yes, we do these things to earn God's love, I would challenge you, don't Don't take this from me. I would challenge you. Go to scripture and see what scripture says. The gospel is, the love of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it's by grace you've been saved, through faith, not of works, so that no one could boast. Um, It's a distortion. And what it leads to is it leads to legalism, right? Following the rules, it leads to this very legalistic uh, mindset, this very legalistic, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this. Uh, Or it leads to just total exhaustion. And those of you who have been in this phase of your life or been in this place or maybe are in this place, know how unbelievably exhausting it is to try to be obedient enough, to try to be good enough for God to love you. That is an exhausting life, trying to be good enough so that the holy, perfect God of the universe would see your good deeds and be like, okay, good job, man. Hey, good job, girl. Proud of you now because you did enough good things. That is an exhausting, exhausting life. And it's not the real full gospel. Here's the other way we swing on that one. Here's the other way we swing grace gone wild gospel. We're so afraid of legalism and works and following the list that we swing over here to the point where we say, okay, yeah, I'm saved. Like I did the Christian thing, I prayed the prayer, I am saved, I'm a Christian. So now, praise God, I don't have to be obedient. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want in my life because I'm saved and I'm good and he loves me just because he's good and gracious. Thank you for grace. And we take grace and we go wild with it. And that is a really dangerous, distorted gospel. Should we go on sinning so that grace might abound? Should we just, if we're saved, should we just go on sinning, Romans 6 says, so that God can just be like, well, pfft. Ben blew it again, but I'm just gonna give him that much more grace. Paul says in Romans 6, no way, no way. Not only no way should that be what our life looks like, I think there is elements of scripture that says if that is your perspective, you might not really know, you might not really have a saving knowledge, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You might not actually be in a real, because if that's the fruit of your relationship with Christ, a grace gone wild. I can do whatever. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can I can indulge in anything I want. I can I can steal. I can lie with no level of conviction. Yeah, I can just I can just do whatever I want. Um, that's really really scary. My obedience is a response to God's grace. So I don't earn God's love over here with my obedience. But I also certainly. Don't ignore obedience and disregard obedience because of God's grace. Instead, I should, we should, as believers, we should see the grace of God. We should see the fact that we have a God who says, you're a mess and I love you. And if we come face to face in a saving way with that God, in a relationship with the Lord who says, I love you and I'm saving you and I'm redeeming you and I'm paying for your debt then there should be a genuine response to that interaction that is, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Are You, ki- you are going to love me that much the way I am? Just as I am, you, while I'm still a sinner, you died for me? Wow, I'm going to live my life in response to that. I'm going to be obedient because you are worth it, not to earn it. Not well. Cool. Then I'm just going to take the blank check and do whatever I want. But I'm going to be obedient in response to that. Um, The illustration that gets overused, but there's just not a better picture of it, is the love between a husband and wife. My wife. I've been talking about her a lot tonight, haven't I, babe? Uh, So when I was single, when I was single, I had a pile of dirty socks at the edge of the couch because that's what you do with dirty socks. Like when you get home, you take your socks off. And when I was single and I lived in a bachelor pad, and you eat ramen and you watch Sports Center. And, um, and that was like my life. And then I got married, and I realized that wasn't the way my wife wanted to live her life, right? She you know, didn't this pile of dirty socks there. And this is actually a really bad example because I'm still pretty bad at picking up my socks. But here's my point uh, <laughs> my point, she's naughty. Uh, my point is that now I do desire that. I want to pick them up. I want to pick up, as as petty as it is, I want to pick up dirty socks around the house. I don't want to leave them there. Not because I'm afraid Danielle's going to fall out of love with me, or not to earn her love, but because I love my wife, I want to do that. Because a husband loves his wife, he wants to date her. He wants to take her out. He wants to buy her something. It should be a healthy response to a relationship. Not, oh man, I need to earn her love, so I'm going to do the dishes. That's a faulty view of love. And we all fall into that trap, but it's a distorted view of love and it's certainly a distorted view of the gospel. My obedience is a response to grace, but there should be obedience in our life. If we look at our life and we have this grace gone wild gospel and we think, oh, I prayed this prayer one time and now I'm good, we are sitting and living in a distorted gospel. There should be obedience. There should be a desire for holiness, a desire to grow and it, yeah, that's frustrating because I don't grow as fast as I want to. I don't mature. As, as a 33-year-old, I'm not as mature as I want to be. I'm not as obedient as I want to be. There's still things I struggle with and still doubts I have, and I'm like, man, I wish, but I desire to grow more and more and more and more and praise God for a patient, patient, merciful God. Okay, uh, two more. <clears throat> this one, the fresh word gospel. Uh, this is a sensitive one. They're all sensitive. Um, in my life, this is how it plays out. I want a new word from the Lord. I grew up in a Christian home. I got it. I got the Christian thing. But man, what I want is I want a new, I want a fresh word. I want the Lord, right, the Bible, I've read it, and it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. But I want... I want like varsity stuff now. Like I wanna hear like something new. I want something to like, I want some crap to just blow up around me. Like next quiet time I have, I want like this bush to catch on fire and like I I want, and there's this desire in us, right? There's this desire in us to say, man, I want this next level fresh word. And so some of us are there. Some of us identify that. I certainly identify with that. It's this idea that man, this is good. The gospel was good and I got saved and the Lord the Lord took me from death to life by the power of his Holy Spirit. He took me from death to life and he has given me his word that is living and active, and that's awesome. But this guy over here, he like said he had a new word and it was so cool because he was like really passionate about it. And that was way more exciting than this over here. Let me be real cautious. I'm all for, not only all for, I believe the Holy Spirit is active and doing and speaking through people. I spend Wednesdays and Tuesday nights praying for the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak through me. Give me a word to speak to these people. Give the people that I get to show up and they're gonna be here, Lord, would you speak to them? Show me, put on my heart what you wanna communicate to them. Give me a prophetic message. And then you know what he does? He says, yes, okay, okay. It's Galatians. It's what you've been studying all week. Here is my word, and it's powerful. Now, Ben, the way I've wired you, and, and, he, and he does, and he speaks to me, and I go on rabbit trails, and, and I sit here before worship, and I think, God, what do you want your people to hear? But I think that there is this tendency that we can swing too far to say, yeah, but like, at the end of this sermon, is it, wow, Ben had this like, new original thought. That's scary, man. If I ever get up here and say, I have this new word and it doesn't match here, then that's scary. If I'm more impressed and and in awe of uh, just a a brother of mine or a sister of mine who has a fresh word and and I say, well, what is it? Well, you've been made a new creation. No way. It's like, well, wait a second. This says I've been made a new creation. Why was that? Why is this not exciting? Why do I have to find this, this new thing? Why do I have to? And it's such in our tendency to do that. It's such in my tendencies, certainly the way God has wired me to say, yeah, but I want this new thing. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks through people. I believe the Holy Spirit gives people encouragement, maybe tugs on your heart to say, man, go talk to that coworker. And, hey, you need to reach out to your family member who doesn't know the Lord. And go, go. And the Holy Spirit prompts and pushes and encourages and gives us truth but there's a different level whenever we start talking about human prophecy and putting it equal to the word of God and man I have known a lot of brothers and sisters I've walked with and the reason I'm sharing this is because I've seen the fruit that it has bear bore in their life over time and over time what happens is well that works for a period of time and I think wow, that guy's on fire man praise God for that and in the decade I've had of vocational ministry, I think, wow, okay, man, praise God. Lord, would you continue to make those roots go deep? But then, no, that's not enough. There's got to be something else now. Well, there's got to be a new conference to go to, or a new thing, or a new voice, or a new word, or a new... And it can be dangerous, and it can be a distorted gospel. And that, that doesn't reach to everyone. And that's, you know, kind of this, this niche thing. But people I love have wandered into that. And we're going to laugh about it in eternity, and we're going to talk about it. But it's still a distorted gospel when we, when we say, this isn't enough If we say this isn't enough and this isn't where our words come from, but we say we need a new one, then that's dangerous. But um, here's the last one the apathetic American gospel. The lie that you can just pray a prayer, um, that you can just pray a prayer and then sit in church or renovate week after week and be apathetic towards the things of God. And God's okay with that. That's a lie. There is a lie that somewhere we have bought into us, those of us who find ourselves apathetic towards the things of God, who say, okay, I'm a Christian, right? And we maybe hear about these guys over here who are like always looking for a fresh word and they're really passionate about hearing from God. And we stand over here and think, man, these guys, you guys calm down. Everybody just calm down. Honestly, man, I would take that 10 times out of 10. At least they're trying, right? At least they're searching for the word of, at least they're searching for God and they're passionate and they're sold out and they're radical. But over here, when we sit here in an apathetic, hey, this is the American thing. I'm a Christian because I grew up in Texas. I'm an American. I did the thing. I prayed the prayer. And now I sit here week after week, okay with the fact that people all around me don't know Jesus, and if, I, if I'm apathetic towards the fact that I'm surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, and not only what that means is they're not going to enjoy life and life abundantly. They're going to wander into alleys and in sin that's going to rob them of joy. They're going to live a life that they think is bringing them satisfaction, but in the end isn't. And I'm okay with that. And on top of that, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And that I could be okay with that is really, really scary. Really, really scary, which is why I take my brothers over on this side any day of the week, but I find myself apathetic sometimes towards the gospel, towards the call of the gospel in my life. I find myself apathetic towards evangelism. And I ask myself, and I ask you, when was the last time we shared Christ with somebody? When was the last time we took the gospel that we sit here and sing, Jesus is better Jesus is better. And we're all admitting, make my heart believe that. I know it, but please make my heart believe that. We sing it. When was the last time I walked into the life of somebody who doesn't know that, believe that, know Jesus and say, hey, I can't sit by and watch you drift into an eternity separated from him. I can't sit by and watch you continue to chase things in your life that aren't going to actually bring you life, that might be, temporarily satisfactory but in the end they're going to leave you empty and depressed and discouraged and looking for something else woe to us woe to us if that's where we are woe to us if we've bought into this distorted gospel that we think we can check the box of christianity sit here week after week and not do anything not give away our lives when was the last time you shared christ with somebody just awkwardly butchered yourself through that conversation. Because, man, it's awkward. And I'm, I'm supposed to do it professionally. And when I get on one-on-ones, I'm like, someone on my words, and it's awkward. And it's, but it's what we're called to obediently do. And there's so many times that I just hide behind, well, now God will bring him if he wants him. And I got other stuff to do. And I'm not driven by any sort of passion for the lost. That's a, that's a major miss. That's a major distortion. It's really, really dangerous. Hey, and on that regard, man, use us. We, we exist as a ministry, as a young adult ministry here to be used by you to help you do that, to either walk with you and encourage you in that way, to show you what the word of God says about that. But even this exists as a platform to where maybe you just say, hey, Coworker, come, or hey, classmate, or hey, family member, you should come to this thing and invite somebody that you care about. Because every week, I promise you what's going to happen here, we're going to talk about the word of God, we're going to talk about how stupid we are, and we're, we don't have it figured out, but we're going to make much of Jesus, and we're going to talk about the gospel. And the gospel is going to be proclaimed. And let that be the springboard for conversation. Let that be that springboard for what you think. I totally disagreed with that thing, and I have no clue what Ben was talking about here, but what is that? Well, let's look at, what is Ephesians 2? And what is Galatians? Let's look back at Galatians. or Use us as a church, or find a church that you will use, and use it, and get plugged in, and get in a home group, and invite other people into that community. Uh, it shouldn't have to be Lone Ranger. It's not Lone Ranger. It's not you need to go save people and evangelize. Use the community of God. So many of the people in this room who are believers are believers because they got introduced into a community of other believers and they thought, okay, there's something different. There's something different about these people. I wanna wanna belong here. I wanna be a part of this. Maybe it was your own family. Maybe that was the community that brought you into the family of God, but community is such a big part of that, so utilize this community. Um, Here's the last thing I wanna say. Uh, Maybe you're here. um, Maybe you're here and you... Hear those things, and honestly, um, not just a lack of self, spiritual self-awareness, but you honestly are like, yeah, I don't distort the gospel in those ways. And the reason is um, because I don't really know the gospel. And you're here, and you think, I don't, I don't really love Jesus. I'm here, and this is great, and I'm here because maybe I'd like to, maybe I'm curious about it, maybe I want to start back down that path, of loving Jesus, and maybe by coming here long enough, eventually I'm just gonna find myself there and just give it some time, but I'm realizing that tonight, I don't actually love Jesus. I don't look at Jesus Christ and sing about him, and I I don't wanna surrender my life to him, and I don't wanna beg for him to do a work. I don't wanna stare at this guy and say, man, I love him. I want to give up my life. Who cares about these things I could chase over here? Who cares about these things? He is worth it. He's beautiful and he's worthy. And I could stand here all day in his presence and celebrate him. And maybe that's not your heart tonight. And maybe that's never been your heart. Not just you're in a hardened place, but that's just never been your heart. Um, I want you to know that you are in the right place. Uh, If you're here and you feel like, oh man, I feel exposed and not, you are in the right place. Because I believe God brought you here I believe God's gonna keep bringing you here. I believe that you're coming, although you maybe thought, no, it's just my choice. I, I think God had a plan in this. I think God dragged you here this Wednesday because he loves you. And the fact that you don't love him and the fact that you don't really know him, the fact that you aren't obedient to him doesn't scare the God of the universe. The God of the universe is not waiting to get back at you. The God of the universe is not waiting for you to, pay some penance and get a little cleaned up and then we can come back and have a conversation. The God of the universe in your brokenness, in your doubt, in your anger, in your disillusionment, in the fact that you've been burned by so many hypocritical Christians, which I am chief of, right? We are hypocrites as Christians because we celebrate a perfect God and we're very imperfect and you've seen that time and time again and you're like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. But now you're here. So what I want you to hear is that you're here for a reason and you're here and being called by the God of the universe to say, I love you as you are. But yes, your sin is great. And yes, your disobedience is unacceptable. It's unacceptable in my presence. It's unacceptable for a perfect holy God to be in a relationship with you. But I love you. And so because of that, that is why Christ came. That is why Christ died and suffocated on a cross and rose again. So that now, through that work of Jesus Christ. You put your faith in him. You claim Jesus as the substitute for your sin. You say, God, I want you. I'm far from you. I don't know how to get you. I don't know enough knowledge. I don't don't have enough emotion for you, but I want you. Lord, I choose Christ. I put my faith in Christ for the payment of my sins. May I approach you? And he says, yes, I love you. That's why I sent Jesus, so that we could be in relationship. But I'm imperfect. Yes, you are imperfect, and we're gonna work through that. But I have got you. That's what he has for us tonight, the love of God. That's the gospel that the Galatians got introduced to. These people got introduced to the gospel of the grace of Christ, not the gospel of religion or the the gospel of the grace of Christ. And they fell in love with Jesus, not because they just, oh, man, I think I fell, but because they saw how he loved them, how he first loved them, and they got changed by it. And then they wandered, and they got distorted, and then they're getting called back. And that's the Christian life. And we get tossed around, and we do this, and now we get found in the weeds over here. God calls us back. But if that's you tonight, man, I just want to pray and exhort and beg you that don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Put your faith in Christ Jesus. Man, and if you have put your faith in Christ Jesus, where are you in these weeds Can we self-identify where we wander into these distorted gospels? And can we repent from them? Can we change our mind about those and return to the true gospel, the gospel of grace? And would that lead our worship? Would that lead our obedience? Would that lead our response? Let me pray over you. Father, we love you. Um, We don't say that tritely either. Uh, We love you. we love you because you first loved us and that's so important and we say that every week and would that not get lost on us? Would that not become white noise? Um, God, you're good and I'm I'm not sure why you chose to love us the way you did but we worship it and we celebrate and we're grateful for it God, reveal in our hearts, Lord. We see these five verses in Galatians, and Lord, they, just, they apply in so many ways, certainly in my heart, because there's so many different distorted gospels that I believe on any given day. Lord, reveal in us as a people what those lies are. May we be rooted in more steadfast maturity and truth, and would we hold fast to that? Would we be a community that reminds ourselves of those blind spots and lovingly, tugs us back towards the right gospel, the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. We're grateful. We love you in Jesus' name.